All right, welcome back to Preachers in the Truth. Uh, happy Easter. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit about the resurrection and that today. <clears throat> Excuse me. And uh, going in a little bit of detail about that, but we just want to make sure everybody's having a good Easter. Uh, it's a great day, the day that Christ rose uh, for mine and your justification. Um, we're going to start again by reading the scripture before we even get into prayer. We're going to hammer this verse into you, because uh, this is a verse that means it all. I mean, I can't explain salvation any better than this verse. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's the only one that matters, because, you know, without the crucifixion, without the resurrection, Christ wasn't who he said he was. He wasn't of the promise, and he's not the way. But because he was, because he died, and on the third day he rose again, he truly was the Son of God, and Amen. He paved the way for us to inherit eternal life. Right. Um, and there might be someone who's seeking Him. Might be somebody who's out there, just like the uh, <clears throat> teacher here who was seeking. He was a Pharisee, I believe. Um, I know he was a high member of the temple. I know that much. And he asked Christ about how, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Oh, and Nicodemus. Maybe, yeah, Nicodemus. And, you know, you might be asking yourself, listening to these podcasts, well, and maybe you came in, maybe you fast-forwarded or something, didn't catch it, maybe you ended it early so you didn't catch it at the end because we've been saying it nonstop. Mm -hmm. But just in case you missed it, I'm going to let you know how you inherit eternal life. It's real simple. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. That's John three sixteen. and I also read verse 17. So we're going to go ahead and get started just like normal. We're going to go ahead and uh, have prayer. Brother Mikey. Dearly Father, Lord God, thank you for another day. Lord, thank you, Lord, for Easter and what it means to us. God, thank you for taking the cross to Calvary, Lord, and, to, and thank you, Lord, for solidifying your promise in the resurrection, God. We love you. We thank you for these things, God. We ask you to bless this podcast and help it reach those, Lord, that are lost and undone, Lord. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' precious name we ask. Amen. Amen. <clears throat> All right. So, again, happy Easter. It's a great day. Um, for this episode particularly, I know we, we broke up the last episode quite a bit uh, between us, but my wife still complains that I talk too much, so I'm going to let Mikey take the reins on this one. <laughs> All right. Well, I think it's only fitting to start kind of where we left off last podcast. And that would be, you know, we talked about the crucifixion and everything that went down with the crucifixion physically and not only physically, but more importantly, spiritually, how man wasn't able to take the life of Christ. That Christ had to willingly give his life. So that being said, you know, it wouldn't have been a sacrifice if Christ didn't choose to do it. Right. Right. Exactly. And in order for that that promise or that plan to be solidified to where we had eternal life, he had not only had to die and shed blood, but he also had to rise again, right? Right. And doing so, conquering death, hell, and the grave, right? Exactly. That's what he had to do. That, that <clears throat> That's what had to happen in order for it to be a solidified plan of salvation. So... We got to the crucifixion. We got to Christ dying on the cross or giving up the ghost on the cross so what happened then what happened next right well obviously they had to bury him right Right. and 
they didn't bury him by digging a hole and throwing dirt on him. They had a borrowed tomb, and that's significant. You know, there was a man named Joseph that had this tomb, and I believe the tomb was was for him when he died, right? And this Joseph was a rich man, and that life of me, I cannot remember his last name. Can you remember his last name? I don't know if it says it in here. Yep, jo- uh, not his last name, but it, where he was from. It was Joseph of Arimathea. Right. And uh, that's what I meant by that. <clears throat> but Joseph of Arimathea not only gave this tomb to them or, or gave it to Christ, he also bought fine linen right. to wrap the body in. So let's talk a second about Jewish um, belief and kind of their, their, <coughs> their uh, the way they do things. Right. When they wrapped a body, they would take this fine linen. It was a long piece of linen, right? And then they mm-hmm. would lay the body on it where the head was right about to the end of the linen. And then it would take the other end and they would bring it over and fold it over top of them and then kind of tuck it along the sides and on the top. Right. Covering the whole body in this piece of linen, right? They didn't take the body and wrap him like a mummy, nothing like that. They laid him on it and then folded it and it kind of tucked the sides in. And then they escorted him to the to the uh, tomb and before they did that, they also put a napkin over his face, right? The napkin was so that they didn't see the face, right? That, that was right. kind of against their their thing. They, they couldn't look into the face of, of somebody that died. So they covered the face while he was on the cross. So as they're lowering him off the cross, his face is covered with a napkin. They lay him on the shroud. They then take and they put the, the napkin down and they put the shroud over top of him. And then that right. was that, or the linen. I said shroud, right. I meant linen. So just to talk about that for a second, <clears throat> Mark fifteen forty six talks about Joseph Joseph of Arimathea, and I'm going to start at forty two, and it said, and now when the even was come, because it was the preparation that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, an honorable counselor, which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went and boldly unto Pilate and and craved the body of Jesus. So. They had to do a little work to get the, the body down because if it were up to the Romans, he would have just been left up there to rot, honestly. Right, right. They, they didn't care, that's and that's what they did they a lot problem, of it, right? right? They would rot until they fell off the cross. <clears throat> right. And then they would take the beam down, make the next person carry the beam, put it on the same pole, and the process just repeats itself. But right. Here, they wanted to bury the body of Christ, so... He went to, to Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. And Pilate marveled if he were already dead. And calling unto him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been any while dead. And when he knew it to the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. So the only thing that Pilate really demanded was to make sure he was dead. That's why he clarified with the centurion he is dead right he's been dead a little while right and i want to hit on that for a second because <clears throat> think about what it says it says he marveled that he was dead already in other yeah. words pilot's like these things usually take, take a while, while. Yeah. yeah you know and that just goes to show you the power that christ had again he chose when he was gonna die man had no bearing decision on it, yeah. or bearing whatsoever yeah and that's a good point you know mm-hmm. pilot probably was assuming it would have been a couple days right but he was dead, and so then Pilate gave them the body, right? Right. And it said, when he, knew of, or when he knew it of the centurion, he gave the body to Joseph. And he bought fine linen and took him down and wrapped him in the linen and laid him in the sepulcher, which was hewn out of a rock, and rolled a stone under the door of the sepulcher. Now, I want to point something out about 
how the sepulcher was designed, right? It was designed to where once you pulled this stone over in front of the, the opening, it was very hard to remove. It more or less or more than likely was in a side of a mountain face or a cliff face, right, or mm-hmm. something like that, to where they used a horse to pull this stone in front of it, and the stone slid down this trench that they had made. So let's say, and this is just from kind of a little bit of research on it, right, of, of how they would do these kind of things, the stone would have been on top of like a hill in front of it, right? And then they would have pulled it with a horse down this little bit of a hill into the trench to where it would stay there, right? right. To where to remove it would have been pretty hard, okay? So that's important for what we're going to talk about here right. a little bit. <clears throat> but uh, I want to point out that they did wrap him in fine linen and that it was um, a custom of the Jewish heritage or the Jewish religion to do that. Right, right, it was. So I will read then, unless you have something to add to that. Um, well, are you, you're getting into the resurrection, that. or do I, you? I w- let's talk about the stone just for a second okay. about why it was placed there. Okay, because it's very important to understand that there's there's a key element there, and so they put this stone there, and you got to understand. And he didn't read it, and I don't. I actually I don't know if that Luke or. Mark, what are you in, Mark? I'm in Mark 16. I don't know if Mark covers it afterwards, but you'll actually see where Caiaphas came and was actually pleading with Pilate about why did you give them the body. And he says this by like, you know, you know, he said while he was walking that in three days he would rise. <coughs> you know, they're just doing that so they can steal the body and say, oh, he rose. Mm-hmm. You, you know, so... <clears throat> There's a couple things going on there. First off, Caiaphas is, I believe, actually worried. Yeah. Um, I believe he was a little bit scared because I believe things were starting to turn in the heads of the scribes and the Pharisees and that. Yeah. Because you got to remember, these guys were keepers of... The law. The law. They yeah. were keepers of, you know, all the prophets and everything. And... God described to a T what he was going to do. I mean, it, you even read it in the last episode in Psalms and that it talks about where you're so far from me. And that was God turning his yeah, back yeah. on him. So they knew of these things. And, you know, when the sky rent black, this was something I believe they hadn't seen before. Yeah. So I believe there was a little bit of fear oh, yeah. with Caiaphas and them. So he goes to Pilate and that's why they put the stone in front of them. I mean, they did move a stone, but they not only sent a stone, but they actually sent soldiers to guard it. Yeah. You yeah. know, to make sure that by the third day, so every day they weren't going to sneak in yeah. and steal these. And, I, you know, and the Bible also says that Pilate put his seal upon it. Yeah. In other words, the only person who could break that seal was Pilate, was Pilate himself. Or a soldier that he had sent to break it. Yeah, that he had given permission to. Right. Somebody that had to have permission to do so. Right, and if you broke it, <coughs> the penalty was death. Yeah. That's all That's all there is to it. The penalty was death to break a seal. Yeah. Okay, you know, that's how they That's how they knew. So, like, when kings would send messengers, messages and that, they would put a seal over it. Mm-hmm. The reason they did that was so when the messenger got there and he handed it to him, if the seal was broken, 
they knew someone else had read that message. Yeah, like so, a, it was like a hot mm-hmm. wax, and usually the king wore a specific ring. Right. Push that ring into that hot wax. Right, right. <laughs> and so, but they did that, so that meant that the enemy probably read the message or something. So they actually killed the person yeah. who was delivering it if the seal was broken. So it carried a death penalty to break that seal. Yeah, and you've seen that with, not to get off tangent or go on a tangent here but you seen that when david delivered that letter through uriah mm-hmm. to uh joab right right and what was in that letter but uriah's death sentence you know right. he, he said put him on the front line and retreat from him but there's significance to that because uriah delivered his own death sentence and david knew that he would without opening that seal so the king had to trust whoever he was giving that to right see what i'm saying that, that's exactly. what i was trying to get at no i i get exactly where you're going with that so so there's significance to that when he goes a little bit further when we start talking about the resurrection resurrection which he's going to get into now so that's what i just wanted to point out that he put his seal and soldiers in front of that yeah amen and there is some scripture in luke that talks about the resurrection and there is some scripture in mark so um if you don't mind while i'm reading that will you find it in luke for me yeah because one of them talks about how the guards became his dead men right 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 and i think it's luke that also says why do you seek thee the living among the dead right right but I'm going to read uh, chapter 16 here, and it's going to be basically the uh, Mark's perspective of kind of what happened. And while he's doing it, I'm going to read that. It says, uh, chapter 16, And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and S- Salome had bought sweet spices and that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they came unto the sepulcher at the rising of the sun, and they said among themselves, Who shall roll us away the stone from the door of the sepulcher? So there must have been a way for that seal to be broken, correct? Because right. they were wondering how they were going to move the stone in order to anoint him, right? Mm-hmm. And when they looked, they saw that the stone was rolled away, for it was very great. So... I think they weren't only astonished by the size of the rock and that it had been rolled away, but they also knew that it was very hard to move it, right? Because of the way right. that it was designed. See what I'm trying to say? And entering the sepulchre, they saw a young man sitting on the right side, clothed in a long white garment, and they were afraid, frightened. And he saith unto them, Be not afraid, affrighted. Ye seek Jesus of Nazareth, which was crucified. He is risen. He is not here. Behold the place where they laid him. But go your way. Tell his disciples and Peter that he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him as he said unto you. And they went out quickly and fled from the sepulcher. For they trembled and were amazed. Neither said they anything to any man, for they were afraid. Now when Jesus was risen early the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene out of whom he had cast seven devils and when and just for the record Mary Magdalene was a was a prostitute right so that's what i think that's part of what they are saying here is Christ had that connection with her because Christ healed her from that right right and she went and told them that 
had been with him as they mourned and wept, and they when they and they when they had heard that he was alive and had been seen of her, believed not. After that he appeared in another form unto two of them as they walked and went into the country, and they went and told it unto the residue, neither believed they them. Afterward he appeared unto the eleven as they sat at meat and upbraided them with their unbelief and harness of heart hardness of heart because they believed not them which had seen him after he was risen. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. And these signs shall follow them that believe. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They shall take up serpents. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick, and they shall recover. So that one's not as in-depth as the one in Luke. But basically what's happening here is Mary Magdalene was the first one to see him. She goes and runs to the disciples which Jesus says my disciples and Peter right which I find kind of odd why do you think he said it like that I I think he was putting importance to it because you have to remember that the disciples ran and fled after the crucifixion um but you got to think about Peter for a second Peter denied Christ yeah, right. And I think Peter, and he did, he held that against himself. Right. And you see that after, you know, Christ rose while he was still walking with him before he ascended to heaven. He held that and tortured himself with that and everything. So I think he was specifically meaning that even Peter, even though he did do this, because I believe others had witnessed him deny Christ. I don't believe he just did it on his own and no one else knew about it. I believe others witnessed him do it. But that's why I was saying, that's why I believe he said, and tell Peter also. In other words, you tell my disciples that have fled and are in there, because I believe Peter kind of like separated himself. You know what I mean? Right. So that's why I, I think he specifically said, and tell Peter also. Right. So, and I think that it, it really goes to show you, because I mean, you go over into Matthew and it talks about, you know, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week. Now, remember, they hadn't prepared him yet. They just wrapped him. His body wasn't actually prepared for burial because there is a thing with the Jewish people. The body has to be dead for three days. Yes. You know, in order to be considered dead. So on the third day, they were allowed to go and anoint the body for burial. Yeah. So I believe they thought the spirit hovered. Yeah. And lingered. So on the third day, they were allowed to go and prepare the body. So right. this is why on this day they are going to the sculpture to prepare the body for burial. It's important to note that. So at this point, and this was the point where you know, after this point, the scribes and the Pharisees would have been able to say, see, he didn't rise. Mm-hmm. He's not the son of God. Mm-hmm. 
So it's very important with that timeline to understand that. And that's also the significance of Lazarus. Right. right. That's why Christ said, we'll tarry here a little longer because he wanted Lazarus to be dead longer than that period of three days. Right, he had already been prepared. Right, that way when he rose him from the dead, they couldn't say, oh, well, the spirit was dwelling in the tomb. Exactly. Lazarus was so drawn out that he began to stink. Right. Like he had started rotting. Right. And Christ came to the the sepulcher and said, hey, uh, Lazarus, come forth, right? Right. And when he did that, they had no way that they could deny that he was the one that brought him back to life. Right, because he had already been dead past, well past the time frame. That's just to couple with what you were saying about how the Spirit, they believe the Spirit tarried. That's why Christ did what he did there. Right. So I'm going to try to find the one in Matthew, too. Just to, I'll read all three of them that way. Did you find the one in Luke? I know it's in 24. I got the one in Matthew. Matthew's in chapter 28. You have Matthew? I do have Matthew. Okay, I'll find it in Luke then. Okay, it says... In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Madeline and the other Mary to see the sculpture. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee. There shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. Amen. So, that's the one that you were looking for. With the men as became his dead dead men, yep. And then I'll read the one here in Luke too, just because uh, we'll read all three perspectives. That right. Way. So Luke 24 says, Now upon the first day of the week, very early in the morning, they came unto the sepulcher, bringing the spices which they had prepared and certain others with them. And they found the stone rolled away from the sepulcher, and they entered in and found not the body of Jesus Christ. And it came to pass as they were... Much perplexed thereabout, behold, two men stood by them in shining garments. And as they were afraid and bowed down their faces to the earth, they said unto them, Why seek ye the living among the dead? He is not here, but he is risen. Remember how he spake unto you when he was yet in Galilee, saying, The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified, and the third day rise again. So, I wanted to point something out with that. Um, there was a time in my life, Jake, that I sought out the living among the dead. I tried to find joy in things that right. were dead, right? And I say that because that's the way a lost person is, right? They they look for this th- this life, this 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 joy, this this love, everything, you know, in things that are among the dead, right? And what do. do I mean by that? I mean, well. Among the dead, if you have no Christ, you are dead, right? You might be alive and breathing, but spiritually you are dead. You're a goner. And that's what, when I've preached this message here before, Mm -hmm. and that's what God put on my heart was, you know, things look good for a little while, but if 
we go and our we put our time and our effort. And I don't know why I'm going on this tangent. I apologize, but if we go and we take our time and our effort and we put it into something that is among the dead, then we are going to be dead, right? Exactly. So it's important that we seek out the things that are alive, right? And I don't necessarily mean, you know, I mean spiritual life, the things that give us spiritual life and peace and joy and happiness, and that's Christ, and that's the bottom line, right? And that's kind of how I take this. Yeah, they were physically looking in a graveyard for Christ, right? Mm -hmm. But you can take that as... You know, you should have believed that he said he was going to rise again. Why are you here not believing him? You see right. what I'm saying? Why are you seeking out worldly things instead of godly things? Like you, know? you should have came here knowing. They That's how I take here's that. The thing, here's the thing, brother. They shouldn't have came there at all. Fair enough. You know, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and say no, it. Fair you enough, all man. might have That's, different perspectives. That's a good point. They should have never went. Like Why? That. Because he told them before. I'll meet you in Galilee. Yep. He told them where he was going to meet them at. Yep. You, yep. you know what I mean? So he had already spoken this, and I believe going with what you're saying, I believe that because he's saying, why are you seeking worldly things? Yep. He's not here. Yeah. He's risen. You know, Do you not remember his words that he spoke to you while he was yet living? Yep. And then he, they were, he reminded of him, right? The Son of right. Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men to be crucified, and the third day rise again. So the angel, I believe, was... They, it said they were perplexed, meaning they were in shock. I believe the angel was kind of in shock. Like, right? what are you guys doing here? He said he's going to do something. He's going to do it, right? That, right. Like the angel was like, don't you guys remember this? I mean, hello? <laughs> right, right. It, it, it's kind of like, it, it, here's the thing. This is the, this is the thing about it because, like, you know, Christ, Christ returned and took up his body. And we, we know that he took up his the physical earthly body that he had. Yeah. Um, he took that up. He has the power to do that. Yeah. Um, he said, I had the power to lay it down. I had the power to raise it up. So well, it was never sinful either. Right. And so it, was, it didn't need to be like cleansed like that. Right. Like, it, exactly. We get a new body because we'll ours is body. sinful. Right. Because our body has to die out to sin. His body did not die out to sin. His right. body died out because he allowed it to. Right. You know, his body could have kept going. Um, so, you know, he and you'll get into detail about a few things that you want to point out with this too. But so the body, he returned to his body and he took up his body. He told them he was going to. And, you know, I believe that, you know, maybe an angel was with him when he returned to it. You know what I mean? Right. But, you know, it's, it's kind of just goes to show you with Christ that Christ has control and command over the angels. He is as equal as God is, you know. So when he tells an angel to do something, they're going to do it. Now think about this. This is how much he loves us, and this is how well he knows us. They had walked with him for years. Yep. He had told them thousands of times, I'm going to die. We'll meet you in Galilee. Yep. And he looked at one of his angels and said, you know what? Stay here because <laughs> they're going to come looking for me. Yeah, that's true. Because they're still not going to buy it. They're still not going to understand it. Yeah, yeah. You know? Oh, yeah. I don't know how much more simple I can make it. And I feel like this is how he feels about salvation. I mean, when people refuse and step over the blood of Christ and that, and they try to bring in this or bring in that or I have to do this or I have to do that, I believe God looks down and he's like, how much more simpler did you want it? Yeah. Believe on me. Yeah. And you shall be saved. That, oh, that's yeah. all there that's is it. to Simple. it. I didn't make it hard. I didn't make it difficult. And what the Bible tells us, we stumble over the simplicity. Amen. You know, 
they were stumbling over the simplicity that what Christ spoke to them. Listen, I'm going to die. I'm going to die a horrible death. Third day, I'm going to rise, and I'll meet you in Galilee. In other words, go to Galilee. After all this transpires, go to Galilee. It was pretty simple. I'll meet you in Galilee. It wasn't complicated. No. He didn't make it complicated. He didn't say, well, you got to go to Galilee through this route and you got to spin around eight times and then yeah. sit down at this table. Do 15 the table, jumping jacks. Right. The know. table's got to be this high. You have to have this particular meal on yeah, the table. No, no. He said, I'll meet you in Galilee. Yep. And he still knew that, you know what? They're still not getting it. You know what? I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to send an angel. Yep. And I believe the angel is kind of like, because the angels, man, they responded to Christ. You right. know, they knew. You got to remember, and I, I believe that you know, they had seen everything. They had seen Satan fall. They had seen him be cast out. They had seen all these things, and these were the the angels that remained were the ones that were loyal to God and served God. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I believe they. When God said He was going to do something, I believe the angels were like, "Yeah, He's going to do it." Like we literally just watched one of our brothers who would fall in literally get kicked out of heaven. Right. Like we, we, we'd seen this. We, we know what he says. And I believe because they marveled at God's creation, because the, it says that the angels marvel at why God loves us so much and why he thinks so highly of man. Right. And everything. I believe, like you said, the angels sitting there and he's like, okay, I don't know why you want me to stick around here, but I'm not going to, question you or disobey you yeah and then here they come walking up and i believe he was kind of like he probably wasn't even shy he's probably mad like he was he was probably mad but i think he was a little bit shocked and that's you kind of see that when you and i know like when we're reading this and that we can't really like it's not like we're hearing him say it so we don't know if he had sarcasm in his voice or anything right i believe he kind of was like why why are you here right now yeah why are you seeking the living among the dead right like i'm here because i was told to be to stay why (laughs) are you here right like he told you he's gonna meet you in galilee that's that way yeah you're you're heading south galilee's north like you know do you need a compass? What? what? <laughs> right. Like, you, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, so I, I agree with you on that. He had to be a little bit shocked, probably a little bit angry, because he's thinking, oh, you guys got no idea what's coming. Because, yep. you know, but of course, we also had salvation, yeah. you know, where angels do not. Right. But I believe he was kind of like, man, you, you guys got no idea what's coming. Listen, he, he's not here. Like, right. Right. <laughs> now, see, something came to my mind. I don't mean to go off on a tangent. And this may blow your mind a little bit here. Mm-hmm. And I, I want your opinion on it. So we know when Moses died, right, right, that Michael fought over the body of Moses with Satan, right? Mm-hmm. We know that. Why did he do that? Because Satan wanted to possess it, right? Right. He wanted to possess it so he could lead the world astray with it. He could lead the children. The, God's chosen people. Right. The true power of God is shown even in the dead body of Christ because Satan couldn't, didn't even have the power to possess it, to take no. control of it. To do anything to lead anybody astray. That came to me as we were talking about that. Like, Satan could have, that was a prime opportunity for Satan, right? He could have tried to go in there and possess the body of Christ, but that's how much power he has. Even even in that state where he had, a, he had we'll, we'll get into depth of what he did, but before he came back and the body was lifeless laying there, Satan knew he had no power to even do anything with it isn't that crazy it, it, it is crazy do you agree with that though? I, 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 mean, I agree i agree with it but you also gotta realize and uh, again this is something 
that we're going to get into. Didn't mean to. We're going to get into extreme depth over, but you got to understand that when Christ was crucified, what he did at that point was he literally stripped Satan right. of all the power that he had over yep, this world. That's true. Yeah. So Satan didn't have that power. That power to, especially over Christ. Oh yeah. I mean, I don't. To be honest with you. I don't even think Satan was even going to try to attempt it. Right. Just because, I mean, let's face it, God had already spoken, and you brought up Moses and, you know, Michael contending for the body. The way Michael did it, and I I know me and you might have different opinions on this and that, but I believe at this point Satan was already kicked out of heaven and Michael had already fought with him. Hmm. So I believe that Michael could have taken Satan in combat. Mm. Um, and even not so, you got to understand that Michael was an archangel. He was a soldier. He was literally well, he was a that, general of the general, soldier. Yeah. yeah, he was literally like top of the line angel. Yeah, he was gonna fight. Yeah, and you know, and with God on his side, Michael was gonna whip him then too, yeah. and do it again or do it right there before he did it, depending on how you believe. But what I'm getting at is, how did he contend for the body? All he said was, the Lord rebukes you. In other words, just the speaking of God saying, you're not going to touch Moses, Satan was absolutely powerless. Yeah. So with who Christ was, and you know, you you see this because, think about this for a minute, just because we're on this little tangent here, and we're just following the Lord and going with it. Think about this. You don't see Satan up until Judas portrays Christ again after the temptation. There's not mention of him coming up in that. Now, there's mention of other demons and that possessing people that Christ came upon. But you don't see Satan himself challenging anything and a reason i believe that is is because when satan took him up that was even proof to satan truly is the son of god yeah i can't touch him yeah there is nothing i can do at this point now except for try to lead people astray yeah and that's what he did i believe he was working on the minds of the scribes and the pharisees because he knew he could not stop god's plan right the only thing he could do was get the people to reject him Yep. That's the only thing he could do at that point. He couldn't stop Christ from being crucified. Yep. He couldn't make the men crucify Christ. Yep. He had no power at that point. Yeah, that's true. You know. And just to clarify, we do have a little separate opinion on some things. Right. And we've, we've already discussed that about the, the whole hierarchy of angelics and principalities. But, I mean, that's... Right. I mean, we, we, agree, we, we agree upon that. We, we, we kind of go off on whether or not with the revelation 12 yeah. yeah revelation 12 just to clarify that but i do believe there is a hierarchy of angels and stuff oh yeah no like that's that, not what i meant i'm right. sorry I'm just, let me clarify no, you're that good. um but yeah but so we do have different opinions and that's okay that's what it's all about that's yeah, how amen. we grow and we discuss more in that but getting back on track to our, <laughs> sorry. our topic and everything it's just it, it's it's amazing still that like even bringing up moses that you know Satan knew he couldn't touch that body. Yeah. I, I truly believe that he knew there was nothing he could do anyway, so he wasn't even going to try. But even so, like, 
Christ knew he was going to raise again. And Christ knew they were going to come to the tomb because he specifically did something. Again, he knows us well. And he knows we're going to do something stupid. <laughs> and, I, you know, we, we joke about that. And, you know, I, maybe it's kind of mean to say that. But they were. He said, meet me in Galilee. He didn't say, come to my tomb. He said, meet me in Galilee. Yeah, meet me in Galilee. Yep. So, you know. But he knew they were going to come anyway. So he left them a message. And I'm going to let you talk about that, too. About what they found when they came to the grave after the angel had departed. Oh. And everything. Yeah. I'll let you get into that, too. But go on with where you're going. Well, all I was going to say was um, you're talking about the folded right. linen, right? Well, I'll go ahead and go into that. Um, after the men came to mm-hmm. find to find him, the disciples, the ones that didn't, it said Peter ran, right? Once Mary Magdalene told him this, he ran to the sepulcher, right? And what was crazy about it is at that point, I think he was running to it because... I don't know if he believed that Christ rose or that somebody had stole the body, right, to where he was ready to fight or do whatever he had to do, right? right. Now, I just got a question for you. That Were the women with him? It says right here, it says, Remember his words, return to the sepulcher and told these things unto the eleven, and to do all the rest. It was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James, and the other women that were with them, which told these things unto the apostles, and their words seemed... To as idle tales, and they believed them not. Then arose Peter and ran into the sepulchre, and stooping down, he beheld the linen clothes laid by themselves, and departed, wandering, wondering in himself at the which was come to pass. So this one doesn't talk about the fold of linen, but the women I don't believe was with um, the disciples or Peter when he ran there. I think Peter ran there after he heard it. Okay, because I, I, I sort of say, you know, it's a good thing that Christ is uh, very merciful because, I mean, how much more how much more do they need to be convinced that they went back after he already told them? First off, he told them he was going to be in Galilee. Then he li- purposely left an angel to let the women know, hey, I'm going to be in Galilee. And then he turned around and, you know, if they, they told the disciples this, but if they would have went back with them, you know, it kind of been like, I would have been sitting at the house waiting on them when they got back. I'd have been like, listen, I'm packing up. I'm going to Galilee. Uh, <laughs> you know, how much more proof do you want? He told us, and now we got an angel of the Lord telling us. So, yeah. you know, yeah. like. <laughs> so here's, you said something about the chief priest kind of pleading and, you know, or right. whatever. This, I don't think, is pleading with Pilate, but these uh, they're making excuses to the elders as to what happened. And it says, this is in Matthew. This is the 28th chapter, and it's starting the 11th verse. And now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city and showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. So they were making excuses at this point because I believe they know that they had made a bad mistake, right? But I'm trying to find that particular scripture where the the linen was folded and there's significance to why it was folded. There's significant why it was folded. And while you're looking for that, I'm just going to go ahead and talk about something for a second. Just think about this for a minute. Like, I mean, first off, it had to be a large sum of money because you got to understand something. First off is... 
Pilate's seal was put upon that stone. Okay. And let me tell you something. The only one who was allowed to break it would have been Pilate himself at that point once it was sealed. Which I want you to understand something first off. Excuse me. Man's seal means absolutely nothing. God's seal is a permanent seal. When God sealed the ark, Noah had to go out through the window. Yep. Man could not break God's seal. Amen. But God could break man's seal. So I want you to understand that. There's significance to that. But I want you to go and understand a little bit more of what's going on here. It had to be large sums of money. And I believe afterwards, those soldiers pretty much disappeared. Because I want you to understand that, first off, Pilate wasn't dead at this point. Pilate was still alive. And I'm telling you right now, the way the Romans were, it would have been those soldiers' heads. Mm -hmm. You know, first off, they allowed something to happen on their watch. They were sleeping on their watch. Okay, that was the number one no-no. Uh, we're, we're talking about a group of people that if you had a person who was being put to death in your care and you were watching them, and we see this later on when uh, Paul and Silas are in the prison and, you know, the their chains fall off in that and the guard starts to kill himself. And they call out to him and say, hey, no, we're all still here. Right. He didn't because, escape, right. Right. Because he knew that if they had gotten out, he would be put to death. In other words, he would take their place. So... These soldiers knew, like, first off, are you going to go back, especially the way the Romans were, and you're going to be like, oh, yeah, we fell asleep. And so there had to be a lot of money involved. And, you know, I believe they, they said it to people and that and everything. But I think after that, those soldiers kind of uh, went their own way because you're talking about something that is carrying the penalty of death. And I believe that when they were back there, what would have happened, you know, what would have happened if somebody brought a note to the king and said, hey, you know, they took it and they read it while I was sleeping. That that king at that point is going to kill him, too, because he's going to be like, why were you abandoning your watch? Why were you not doing what you were supposed to be doing? And furthermore, your Roman soldiers why did you not wake up? You are trained for battle. You are trained to know when the enemy's coming and to always be on alert. You, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. So they really, for you know them to do that, it had to be something substantial mm -hmm. that they were going to get because you were talking, these soldiers were literally basically trading their lives for money. But, you know, we do the same thing, brother. Right. People today... We, we will trade salvation for worldly things. Yes, we will. You know, and that, that's what those soldiers chose to do. They, The Bible says they became as dead men. In other words, they had witnessed it. Um, they had witnessed the power of God. Man. So for them to say that and to go in afterwards, they literally had to, in their minds, completely cross over the blood deny christ yeah and they did it for worldly possessions absolutely. and you know it's sad as people we still do that today absolutely you know we deny christ for money and all these other things when he's right in front of us mm -hmm.
So I found it. Um, it doesn't say folded, but what's significant about it is it is wrapped together, which when you look that up is organized right, or folded. Right, right. And it wasn't placed. laying with the grave clothes. Correct. Okay. So here's what happens in Jewish like heritage or mm-hmm. belief. The master of the table, okay, right. or the house, or I think anybody in general, mm-hmm. but I think it's more specific for the head, right. right? If they were eating and they threw their napkin down and got up, it meant they weren't coming back, right? They right. were they were done. Right. They were going to go about their business. But if they folded the napkin and put it neatly on the table, it meant that they were coming back. Right. right? So... John 20, I'm going to read the first verse. It says it in the 7th, but I'm going to read the first verse. The first day of the week. So this is the last account. Right. This is the fourth account we've read. First day of the week, come with Mary Magdalene early when it was yet dark unto the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciples, whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth and that other disciple and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together and the other disciple did outrun Peter and came first to the sepulcher. And he stooping down and looking in saw the linen clothes lying. Yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him and went into the sepulcher and see if the linen clothes lie. So they're just lying about. They're just laying there, right? Pay attention to what he says right here, though. And the napkin. Remember I told you there was a napkin that goes over the face? And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. You see, Jesus was letting them know that he was coming back again, right? And I, you mean, what are you talking about? He was already rising from the dead. No, but he was letting his disciples know that he's coming back for us all, right? That's right. what he was letting them know. That he was rising and then going to ascend with the Father, and then he was coming back. And that is significant there. That's why John said it, because it was significant, right? It caught Peter to look and see that because they were Jewish. That was their that was their religion. That was their, their heritage. That was what they did. Right. And this and this is in multiple things because it's also in with the wedding proposal. Huh? And they would give their napkin, handkerchief, whatever, yeah. to the bride to be mm-hmm. as a token, as I will return to get you once my father says that I can come and get you. Because yeah. remember that in the Jewish tradition back then, when they were married, the bride waited at home. She wouldn't see the groom again because he would be busy building a place for her and him yeah. in his father's house. Yeah. So, and he could not go and get his bride until the father told him yep. to go and get them. And, you know, you think about that and even with the dinner and everything, it just, it puts a smile on your face. It, it makes you happy. And it's also just shows you how much God loves us that he's even telling us, hey, I'm going to return for you once my father says And that, that stirs me up inside, man, because... Right. You know, if, if if this world was all that we had to look forward to, and don't get me wrong, I have a wonderful life. I have a wonderful family. 
beautiful wife, beautiful children. Mm-hmm. I got a good job. I got a great church that we, we go to together. Got a good friendship with you. Right. I got friendships all over the world. But if this was the best, I'd be sorely disappointed, you know, because, right. like, if we just laid down our head and died, when we died and that was it, that would be disappointing. That would be disappointing, you know, and I'm so thankful that it's so simple to get to that next chapter, right? And that next chapter is our right. heavenly gain, right? And to me, it's, and I when I said disappointing, I don't mean like I'm disappointed with my life. I'm saying there's so much turmoil and, and fighting amongst Satan in this world that if this was all that there was, it would just be, it would be depressing. It, right, you know? and, and, and it's never going to stop. No, it's not, and... All of that, all of that battle that we go through, there's got to be something. You know what I mean? That's right. that's my point. Like, like I said, I love my wife and my family dearly, and I am happier than ever with them and in, in my life. That's not right. what I meant. I'm just saying, this stirs you up because I can't wait. Sometimes there are days, Jake, that I can't wait. You know? Oh, I know. There are I days that, that I'm, yeah, you know, I don't. Obviously, I don't want to die, but there are days that I'm like, man. I won't have to go through this in heaven. I won't have to go through that in heaven, you know? Right. And, you know, the the more and more you walk as a Christian, the more and more you get homesick. Oh, yeah. That, that's all there is to it. You, you get homesick. Right. And it's because we know we're not a part of this world. And it does stir you up inside and it gets you, you know, it, it makes you want because you know he's going to return. Amen. That that's the promise that he was making to us. and that's And we know it was the truth because we knew he died and he was resurrected. You know, and he didn't just, you know, rise and just show himself, you know, to the disciples. Right. He, he was out and about. Yeah. Other people did see him. Yeah, it says in there, I was reading when I was trying to find a scripture. Right. The Caiaphas even seen him. Right. Right. And But he didn't recognize him. And, right. And a lot of people, they, and I'm going to say this, then I'm going to be finished, and you can go on with what you want to go on with. And yeah, I'm going to just but, talk about the shroud for a minute and close Right. But, you know, even the disciples in that, when... They were walking with him, and that's important too. Um, you got to understand that they didn't recognize him. People are like, "Oh, Christ changed him, how he, his appearance and how he looked." No, Christ picked up the same body that he had. Yeah. And some people are like, "Oh, well, he sh- shape shifted." No, their humanly fleshly minds could not comprehend a man rising from the dead. Yeah, even when Lazarus came forth. They they couldn't comprehend it. Yeah, they they didn't them, understand they not, yeah. it. So to them, it was just another person. Maybe he looked like, you know. Yeah, they weren't putting connecting the dots. Right, they weren't connecting the dots. They not they weren't dotting their eyes and crossing their keys with it. So, and in that scripture, you'll see where they you know Christ was talking with him. They were telling him about himself, obviously, and that, and they said, <laughs> you know, we thought he was the one. Yeah, and everything, and. You'll see in that scripture, and I'll have it for you next time because um, I'm going to let Brother Mikey talk in that. But I will look it up for our next podcast and let you guys in on it, and then we'll go with our next podcast. But you'll see where Christ began to walk as if he was going to go further. And the men stopped him, and they said, why don't you come and tarry with us? Listen, the night's coming. You know, just come with us. And it was then that they realized, you know, when he blessed the food and that, oh, my gosh, this is really Christ, Christ. Yeah. He, he has risen, but the significance of that is Christ is a perfect gentleman. Yep, he will not go where he's not invited. Right, amen. You know, so 
that's why that's why I'm telling you that you know you are the only one who can reject Christ. Right. And, and I know maybe I don't know why maybe there's somebody that needs to hear it. Yeah. Because the last three four podcasts we've been pushing salvation like yeah. no other. Yeah. And I'm telling you right now, you have to literally reject Christ. Yeah. In order, if those men would have never invited him, he would have kept going. Yep. Amen. You know, and it's the same with you. If you do not ask Christ to come into your life, he is not going to force his way in. Yeah, Revelation 3.20 tells you that. Right. right? Stand at the door and knock. Right. And if any man will open up, I'll come and sup with him and he'll yep. sup with yep. me. Yep. Um, so you have to choose. And again, we've read it time and time again. It's John 3.16. That, that's all it is. That's all salvation is. You're choosing to, you are choosing a devil's hell when you have heaven to gain. Amen. You are choosing to reject the blood of God's only begotten son for worldly things. Amen. And what is it worth? Because I'm telling you right now, the money that's in my wallet, um, all the possessions that I have, you know, we, we worry about things and we worry about, you know, what we have in that. And, you know, we worry about vehicles and everything else. But at the end of the day, brother, it's going to burn in a fervent heat. It's true. It has absolutely no meaning. I'm telling you right now, there's nothing in your life that has any meaning other than your relationship with Jesus Christ. Amen. Because that's the only thing that matters. Yep. It, nothing else is going to matter. It's not going to matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how much money your family is. Guess what? They're not going to be able to buy your way in hell. No. Nope. Um, you know, so... The only thing that matters is your relationship with Jesus Christ. And that's why, and when you find Christ, you'll have life and life more abundantly. That's all there is to it. Right. You know, we, we, we can sit here and we can, we talk about the turmoil of this world and that, but we're able to smile through it all because we know what's to come. Amen. And we know that what we have in us is so much better than what is out in the world. Amen. And that's all, that's all I've got to say, brother. You go ahead. and. So just a few things. First off, the cliffhanger was that Christ was not killed by man. Right. Just in case you missed that, anybody that missed that, we we promised you a, to the other yep, episode. We, po- we promised you a cliffhanger. We just didn't, you know, make it as obvious. But right. that was definitely the cliffhanger: is that man did not kill Christ. And then I just wanted to point out some things that I thought were interesting. I've been really looking into this shroud of Turin and. I'm on the fence about whether or not I believe it was actually the the shroud that covered Christ or not. Right. I'm not a hundred percent on that. I, I I don't know for sure. There are v- screaming similarities, you know. And the one thing that stuck out the most to me was, you know, the scientist was talking about the pattern and the the image that was that was put on this this shroud, right? For one, the linen was the same type of linen that would have been correct to the period now they had done a test the first time on it and it came back as way way um like younger than the stuff that would have been in you know what i mean so newer stuff it was newer but the scientist that covers it says well it was in a fire in the 1800s and they they had to splice in some different fabric to where the fabric was burnt and stuff. So then they tested multiple locations on the shroud, and all of it except for the spots that were burned came back as time period cloth, right? Right. And then it was a cloth that would have been expensive back then, right? So then in the beginning of the podcast, I covered how Jewish burial or 
how they were basically kept or I guess wrapped in this linen. They weren't wrapped at all. They were more folded in it, right? Right. And that shroud is the same way. Like there's a front and a back image on a long shroud showing that they laid him down and then wrapped it over him. So that's also period correct with how they would have done it. Right. But the thing that stuck out the most to me, not all the lacerations you can see, all the blood stains and things that you can see, the perfect image that you can see on this thing. But the one thing that stuck out the most to me was replicating the image. Now, the scientists said, you know, we tried multiple things. Not only us, but other scientists had tried multiple things on this linen that was similar to this same linen on how to get an image to print on it like this printed on it. And he said because the the print wasn't surface deep. This print was, it basically transformed the fibers in the linen in the image, right? Right. And he said that we did, you know, we, we wrapped it in a pig that was dead and we let rot. They let a pig rot on a piece of it and stuff and it just had stains, no image. They they tried a bunch of heat, they tried a bunch of cold, they tried to freeze it, they tried all kinds of different things, different methods. They tried to to wet, you know, the pig and, and lay it on there and then, you know, do all this this stuff to it. Right. The only thing that they could get to print that image was extreme light, right? And he's like, when I say extreme light, I mean extreme ultraviolet light, like more than, I'll use welding as an example because that's what I know. Right. More than a welding light, right? And that's a blinding light. Right. You know, so you stare. There's, no. You, can you will your fry eye. your retinas yeah. when you do that. So the only way that this image was replicated was through an extreme amount of light. Now think about that for a second. That's pretty compelling evidence, right? That when Christ rose, it was probably pretty bright, right? Yeah, I believe it was bright. So I just wanted to point that out. You can take that as as a grain of salt, whatever you want to do. But I just thought it was interesting to kind of give you that little tidbit of information to, to show that science, whether or not this is the real thing, but science proves Christ. When you look into things and you look into to the, the way things were done, scientists get saved because they prove that Christ was alive and, and, and was true, right? And one of them, I'll say this, and I'll, I'll go in closing, I'll shut up about it, but um, was Lou Giglio. You guys get a chance. Look up Lou Giglio and How Great Is Our God. And he does a, a, a skit where he talks about different planets, different um, things in the body, all kinds of other things that all point to Christ. And one of those things is called laminin, right? Right. And laminin is a protein molecule that keeps your body together. It's like glue. Yep. And when you look that up, it is a perfect cross yep. every single time. So God is in us. God proves himself daily. So go with that knowing that the resurrection happened, the crucifixion happened, and that Christ is the only way to heaven. Yep, and he's the only one that can hold your life together. Amen. That's you know. It. Hey, before you close out, I'm just going to read a couple more verses, I promise you. 
I'm going to know you with John 316 again because you cannot say that you listened to our podcast and did not know how to obtain salvation. That's truth. I will tell you that right now because we're going to drill it into you. This is the only way. And it's John 316. And I'm going to read verse 17. So it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Yeah. Now I want to read one more verse because maybe you're a saved Christian and you're wondering, well, what is it that God wants me to do? Man. Don't worry. God gave us a commandment for that after you're saved. The first step is finding Christ. Right. This is the second step. And it says, And Jesus came and spake unto them. Now this is right before he ascended into heaven in that. So he gave what he wanted us to do right before he left this earth. Yep. And this is in Matthew 28. And I'm reading verse 18. It says, And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, of the Son, Amen. and of the Holy Ghost, yep. teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Amen. Yep. Go ahead and close out, brother. Uh, thank you for listening to uh, Two Preachers in the Truth. I hope you enjoy your Easter. Uh, God bless.